Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back. As I've said before, I typically do, do not do newsmaker interviews. Some some show hosts do it, and that, that's fine. It, it's just not the nature of the program I run. But I do make exceptions from time to time. And we have a gubernatorial primary coming up two weeks from tomorrow and it is my great pleasure to be joined in the studio by the former lieutenant governor of the state of wisconsin and one of the leading candidates if not the leading candidate for the republican nomination rebecca clayfish rebecca good afternoon i thought jeff you were going to tell me that occasionally you make exceptions for former journalistic rivals <laughs> that's, that's because right. you remember once upon a time I was a news anchor for Channel 12, right. and you're here. And then you'll recall after I left my job and I was at home for some time, I actually did some work here. I, absolutely. At 620 WTMJ. And then what happened is you ended up getting like a real job, and you were the lieutenant governor yeah, of this, this a, state. That was a real job. <laughs> right. And it is what qualifies me and prepares me best to win this race, but then start us off on the right foot on day one, because I'm a proven and tested conservative reformer. I know what I'm doing, and I am confident in our plan to get Wisconsin back on track. I'm so sad by what Tony Evers has done to our state over the last three and a half years. I never imagined progress as fragile as it has been shown to be. And I am so eager to take back control and give it back to the people of this state. And I'm confident that that's what we're going to do. Um, you, you had the Republican gubernatorial debate last night. Um, your, your general reaction, how did you feel after it ended? I felt great. I think that there were good questions asked. There was good dialogue on the stage. I mean, obviously, there are a lot of people on Twitter this morning saying, well, geez, there weren't any tangles on stage last night. You know, I'm mad at Tony Evers, and I think that his flaws and his failures, his weak and failed leadership needs to be pointed out. And that's also why I'm the best candidate to take on Tony Evers this fall. And I think I also pointed out that I've been tested against this mob and this this money before I have won statewide four separate times. Look at that guy on TV right behind you. you see that monitor, Jeff? No, Tony Evers. Yeah, T- Tony Evers in a big red truck that I'm sure he borrowed from someone because we all know that Tony Evers has never driven a truck in his life. Over the course of the next hour, I've got a number of areas I want to talk to you about and just kind of explore things. Interestingly enough, one of the I. I I think one of the things that's in the front of mind for Wisconsin voters is something that didn't come up on, on the debate last night, and that's in inflation in general and, and high gas prices in particular. And I, I understand that gas prices have gone down to $4.30 a gallon from 5 bucks, but that's certainly nothing to, to celebrate. High gas prices, what would you do if you were the governor? Well, first of all, I would never raise the gas tax. Both my primary opponent, Tim Michaels, and Tony Evers have taken the exact same position on this. They would index the gas tax to inflation. Well, inflation's at a 41-year high. Nobody can afford higher gas tax. I went this morning, and I've got a 2002 minivan, so it's not like I've got the world's best fuel efficiency, but I filled up this morning... $57 to fill up my gas tank, and I'm sure there are a lot of people listening right now who are like, oh, that sounds like a really great bargain. I've got a truck, clearly like Tony Evers is pretending to have in that ad that he just played. But gas prices are on a tear. 
And it's not just gas prices, it's grocery prices. We know that the supply chain crisis, the worker crisis are contributing to the fact that nothing is affordable in this state. And I blame Tony Evers and I blame Joe Biden for this hyperinflation that we are all facing. But I'll hold the line on gas tax. And unfortunately, you're not going to get the same thing from my opponents here. Would you be in favor of freezing the gas tax? Tony Evers came out and said he would be in favor of freezing the the federal gas tax, but said nothing about Wisconsin's 32, 33 cent a gallon. Would you be in favor of that? That was such a cheap political stunt, Jeff, and you and I both know that. Because he just basically threw the ball to the federal government and said, hey, you know, Biden, this one's yours. It's cheap. It's what politicians do in election years. What Tony Evers should have done, what Tony Evers could have done, is gas tax. Holiday, when things were at their most painful at the pump. And I'm going to get wonky for a second here, but you know that all you have to do is get your state agencies to lapse back into the budget, and you can use that general purpose revenue to help save people the pain at the pump, at least for a little while. I mean, this summer, when we were hoping to get some tourism revenue, Avenue back into Wisconsin's economic bloodstream, you're forcing people to make awful choices. I mean, there are people right now on fixed incomes who are choosing between filling up their gas tank or, you know, filling up their propane tank because, of course, Tony Evers is sitting there on the Line 5 contract. His DNR still has not done that permit. And they're choosing, well, golly, do I do I buy this or that? Do I buy medication? Do I buy groceries? Do I buy gas? Do I buy propane? And that's a a sad commentary on where our economy is today under Governor Tony Evers. Where do you stand on the minimum markup law? I think the minimum markup law probably needs to be reformed. You remember when the minimum markup law, and I'm not suggesting you're this old, but uh, you know the history of the minimum markup (laughs) law. And you also, you know, I've seen the videos that I have done for this radio station on the minimum markup law. You know, when it was originally concocted, it was designed to protect your little mom and pop shop from the massive big box store and you wanted to make sure that the massive big box store could not come in undercut undersell a bunch of products and then thereby uh, run the mom and pop shop out of business and then become the only game in town essentially a monopoly well we know in modern times that it has a double edge on the sword and so it needs reform but when we reform it it's got to actually save people money not just end mom and pop shops ability to compete Rebecca let's talk about crime for a minute you have been very critical of Tony Evers response to what I'm gonna call the riots in Kenosha if you were the governor what would you have done differently than Tony Evers did? We would have made sure that the National Guard was out there right away. We would have surged state patrol to be there right away. We would have assured mutual aid right away. $50 million should never have gone up in smoke, Jeff. Two men should never have lost their lives. Tony Evers just pandered to the far fringes on the left, and in order to appease the perpetually offended, he stood down. Now, this was an instance in which Donald Trump made the right decision, but it took Congressman Brian Stile calling the switchboard at the White House in order to to rally the type of support which Tony Evers initially refused. This just shows complete lack of leadership. He has no backbone. And the idea that this man is asking us for a contract extension after rising crime, 
9% year over year. That's double the national rate. And it wasn't just Kenosha. It's also Milwaukee, where we're on track for another increase in our murder rate that is over and above last year's record-breaking increase. Murder rate in Green Bay is up 60%. There are now murders in the Wisconsin Dells resorts. La Crosse PD said their biggest meth bust and their biggest fentanyl bust in PD history. You see the crime stats. It's not just about Tony Evers' weak and failed leadership. It is also about John Chisholm's weak and failed leadership. Tony Evers is sitting on paperwork right now that would allow him to fire John Chisholm. I'll fire John Chisholm, and I'll fire him on day one. One of the frustrations that a lot of us have down here in Milwaukee is the out-of-control crime in general, but particularly out-of-control juvenile crime. You know, you'll have these stories about, you know, kids that will go out and steal two, three, four cars a day, and if they're caught, maybe it's a week in in some sort of detention, then they're back out on the streets. As the governor, what could you do, what would you do to address what I consider to be a juvenile juvenile crime crisis? is an epidemic and make no mistake about it i will sign both bail and sentencing reform to end not only this type of revolving door of criminal justice but not just for juvies also for adult offenders you imagine living as a cop today you go out there you arrest a bad guy you spend your time doing an investigation you refer it for charges and then the milwaukee county da actually charges only four out of 10 felony recommendations? How do you feel about your job? Do you feel like you're being appreciated? Do you feel like the work that you are producing every day is worth it? Or do you feel like you're being treated like dirt? You're not being respected and the work that you are doing is not worth it. It's no wonder that people are retiring in droves and the recruit classes get smaller and smaller. Add that to the fact that Tony Evers sides with rioters instead of our good cops. There is a reason, Jeff, that I am law enforcement's choice for governor. I've been endorsed by the Wisconsin Fraternal Order of Police, more than half of Wisconsin's sheriffs, the Milwaukee Police Association, and the Kenosha Police Association Board. We need to do bail and sentencing reform to tie the hands of bad DAs and bad judges who just let the bad guys go right back out on the streets to recommit crimes. So as a follow-up to that, you would be in favor then of mandatory minimum penalties for a variety of crimes like felon possession or more serious offenses? That's exactly what we're talking about. Those are good examples of what we need mandatory minimums for. We're going to take a very quick break. Uh, Rebecca Clayfish is with us for the entire hour. We're going to be talking about taxes and Act 10 and election reform and all sorts of other stuff. Don't go anywhere. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Is objective, subjective is subjective. And so it's very important to me that schools teach fact. That's Rebecca Clayfish from last night's debate. We have Rebecca Clayfish in the studio. Rebecca, let, let me talk about taxes. I thought it was interesting the debate last night. There was a question about taxes, and you were the only one of the three candidates that came out very specifically. It, at least initially, you said you'd be in favor of a of a three point five per three point five four percent flat tax essentially where does that number come from and what would how would that work in the real world 
I thought you were going to lead into the segments talking about your lead-in soundbite, me carping about the difference between objective and subjective. (laughs) Well, this is objective policy, and that comes from the very bottom line of a very progressive income tax system. Sadly, Jeff, Wisconsin gave the world the progressive income tax in 1911. I like to say that we never would have done that had women just had the right to vote. Women would never have allowed that to happen. But sure enough, uh, Wisconsin did it. And we have one of the most progressive income taxes in America. And we're surrounded by states with lower income tax rates than we have. Iowa just went to a 3.9% flat tax. We've got to beat all of our surrounding states. 3.54 is the lowest tax bracket in our progressive income tax system. So what we would do is hold that lowest bracket harmless and then move everybody else down to that lower bracket. It's really important we do that because we've got to keep our Generation Z workers here. We're competing with states all across the country for their affection, their attention, and yes, their work skills. And we've got a worker crisis, and out of that has been born a supply chain crisis, so we've got to keep them here. The way you keep them there is making sure they keep more of their own paychecks. And Generation Z, not out there buying houses and property. That's my kid's age. We've got to make sure that we retain our young workers in Wisconsin. 3.54% flat tax is going to beat all of our neighbors in the upper Midwest. And we're going to not stop. We'd like to continue to move toward income tax elimination in Wisconsin which is going to enable us to even better compete with states like Texas and Florida because, let's face it, Ron DeSantis, awesome governor, but his ice fishing is crap. <laughs> Retire- Speaking of Florida, I mean, retirement income. Obviously, one of the problems is that people retire to a state, for example, like Florida, that doesn't have a state income tax, and so you, you do have a bit of that drain. Where are you on the retirement income issue? Don't move. Don't move to Florida because as soon as I am governor, we are going to eliminate the tax on retirement income. And as long as we're on the subject of income tax and retirement tax reform, I should add that Tony Evers vetoed the personal property tax uh, out of the budget. And what we need to do is actually stop taxing personal property. It's going to save small business owners $200 million. Under our administration, we will stop taxing personal property. That's going to allow small business owners to take that savings and farm it back into their companies, give their employees some raises or, you know, maybe bump up some benefits or health coverage. Because in this high inflation world where we're taxed enough already, we've got to find ways to allow employees to keep more of their own money so they stay in Wisconsin working for Wisconsin companies. Let's switch gears. I want to talk about one of the hot button social issues, which of course is abortion. Um, I know you are pro-life. Right now, Wisconsin is sort of, assuming that 1849 law is enforceable, is sort of of an abortion island in that um, surrounding states, Illinois, Michigan, Minnesota, all allow people to have abortions. So the effect is a woman in Wisconsin who wants to get an abortion can get one by traveling out of state. Would you support legislation as a compromise on this issue, similar to laws like they have in Mississippi or in Texas now, which would allow elective abortions within 14 or 15 weeks? 
I support the law that's on the books. Jeff, you know me. You've known me pretty much my entire mm-hmm. adult career. And I've always been pro-life. I celebrated when we saw the decision come down, knowing that the littlest, the meekest, the voiceless among us now would be protected. And babies can't afford lobbyists. It's people like me who stand up to protect the unborn. And so the law will stand, but I'm a woman. I'm a mom of two daughters. And it's very important to me that we speak about this issue with empathy, not sympathy, empathy that I can give as as a woman, as somebody who's actually been pregnant, as somebody who takes pregnancy tests on occasion. You know, we we need to make sure that we're treating people who have unexpected pregnancies with compassion and surround them with the resources they need in order to live full lives. Democrats try and push this myth on women like me, on women like my daughters will be. It says basically you have to choose. You have to choose between the life of your child and your own success. You don't have to choose. Look at me. I've chosen both. And women have been doing it for generations. You can have children and be successful in America. That is one of the greatest gifts of freedom. And in a Clayfish administration, that is what women will have in our state, is the choice and the opportunity to live successful lives because we're going to surround women with the resources they need to be successful. Being pro-life means being pro-baby and pro-mom. So just so I'm clear, you would not be in favor of, as a compromise on this issue, a law which would allow elective abortions within 14 or 15 or 16 weeks? We already have on the books a law that allows the exception for the life of the mother. Good enough. Let's take a quick break. We'll be back with more of Rebecca Clayfish in just a moment. Being pro-life means being pro-woman and pro-baby. And as governor, I'm going to make sure that we treat new moms with unexpected pregnancies with empathy and compassion and get them the resources they need. Rebecca, I, I thought actually one of the highlights of the debate was as a follow-up to that. You made it very clear you were questioned about ectopic pregnancies and things of the like, and you said, "Look, that, that that's not abortion. We're not talking about that." No, no. I, you must have heard a soundbite. I don't have earphones, right. and so no. I and I know that there have been stories over the last couple of weeks about. And I don't know whether they're right or wrong, or this is just you know the internet making stuff up to scare people, but. What I can tell you is in Wisconsin, miscarriage treatment, ectopic pregnancy treatment are not abortions. It is abortion that is illegal. We want to protect unborn babies, but we also want to protect moms. And for goodness sakes, who in the world in medical science would ever think that miscarriage treatment or ectopic pregnancy treatment is abortion? It is clearly not. And I'm never going to change my mind or change my position on contraception. Contraception is legal in Wisconsin. Let's switch gears. Um, obviously, as a matter of fact, one of the Republican candidates, his, his, the, the, base, the whole premise of the campaign is based on 
decertifying the, the 2020 election, which most reasonable people recognize cannot be done. Um, but let, let's start off. You've used a phrase that you think that the 2020 election may have been rigged. What, what exactly do you mean when you say rigged? What I mean by that, and I'm glad that we have long form radio right now because I have presented evidence and it's out there for the public. In 2020, the WEC, the Wisconsin Elections Commission, booted the Green Party candidate off the presidential election ballot. You recall one time in your entire adult life, Jeff, that the Green Party candidate and a Libertarian Party candidate weren't right there alongside the Republican and the Democrat. Everybody knows that in modern elections, the Green Party candidate usually peels votes off the Democrat and Libertarian usually peels votes off of the Republican. Well, in 2016, Jill Stein, who was the Green Party presidential candidate then in Wisconsin, got 30,000 votes. Right. So if the WEC boots the Green Party candidate off of the presidential election ballot in 2020 and in 2016, that candidate got 30,000 votes. We can only imagine they would at least get 30,000 votes this time. And without that candidate being there, but with the others being on the ballot, seems to me like this was rigged from the start. Like There was no way to recover. And now think by how many votes did Joe Biden declare victory in Wisconsin? 21,000 or so? Yeah, Less than 30,000. And so when people ask for evidence of why I feel like this, the fix was in, this is why. And then you add to that the fact that the WEC has been completely lawless. I'm the only candidate in this race who has sued the WEC for their lawlessness. That's why I'm going to just outright acknowledge the fact that this agency was a mistake. We've got to abolish the WEC. We're going to stop the ballot drop boxes. We're going to stop doing ballot harvesting, period, in the state of Wisconsin. We're not going to allow third parties to play and pay for elections. That means no more of these Zucker Well, let me stop you, because some some people might argue, Rebecca, why? If you've got an, an outside party that's willing to come in and put in millions of dollars to help generate voter turnout and and give it to different municipalities, why shouldn't they do that? Because that's not the job of government. Government doesn't run get-out-the-vote campaigns. They shouldn't. That's what political parties do. That's what candidates do. And when you accept money from someone else, that money will always come with strings attached. Jeff, you and I both know that even the federal government only gives states money with strings attached. We gotta sever the strings, the relationship, period, and all together. No third parties should pay for play in our elections. No Zuckerbucks when I am governor. I'm proud of those counties that have now gone county by county, passing ordinances across the state, outlawing it from within their own counties. But additionally, we can't have any more central counts that leads to these ballot dumps that are big surprises for people who are watching election returns on TV. And I go one step further and say we're going to create this Office of Election Integrity underneath the umbrella of the Department of Justice. And we're going to repurpose some of our forensic auditors who are already there to work on election security. And we're going to put that office in charge of finally purging the voter rolls. No more dead voters. No more 
people registered 300 to an empty lot. And we're also going to put that up online all day, every day for people to see. You know, there have been some citizen journalists over the last couple of years who've tried to get that information from the WEC. You know, WEC charges $12,500 for that. Hmm. Taxpayers already pay for this stuff. Let me ask you about decertifying the election. That, that's one of the ideas that's been floated, that there's all these problems with the 2020 election, and what we need to do is have the state decertify it. What do you think about that? You can't do it. You can't do it. There's there's no constitutional way. There is no articulated way through state ta- statute to do it. I mean, talk to any constitutional attorney. And I, I think there have been a number of investigations sponsored by the state, sponsored by others, sponsored by, you know, third party and private groups, citizen journalists, and no one has come up with a clear, articulated strategy to make this happen. It's not possible. This election is going to come down to who do you trust? And I am a proven, tested, trusted conservative reformer. That's Rebecca Clayfish from the debate last night. Um, Rebecca, let, let's talk a little bit about education. Um, I, I know you are a big advocate of breaking up the Milwaukee public school system into a, a series of smaller units, four, eight, whatever that number would be. Why do you think that's a good idea? We've tried everything else. Jeff, you've been around Milwaukee journalism for years, same as I have. We've tried everything. It doesn't work. Throwing more money at the problem doesn't work. Involving the mayor doesn't work. Doing a a separate district doesn't work. We need to do the one thing that nobody has had the backbone to actually do, and that's break it up. I'm sad to say that you know, if you have a school district of 70,000 kids, you know, no superintendent can memorize the names of 70,000 kids. If they're at risk of failing or not graduating, go to their classroom, sit down with them one-on-one or, you know, more intervention still, you know, go to their homes and sit down with their parents. 70,000 children, 70,000 lives, future leaders. And sadly, nobody's giving them individual attention. And parents are unable to hold that system accountable because you've got teachers union bosses who are running the game. And Tony Evers just panders to them. I mean, you saw those open records requested emails when he was just shutting down schools arbitrarily listening to the teachers union bosses. You know, a lot of us thought, okay, well, Act 10 is maybe going to be the, the end of their reign. And it clearly has not been because Tony Evers locked children out of their classrooms in many cases for two straight years. My children were two of those kids locked out of their own classrooms, forced to sit there in homeschool on their beds, with their Chromebooks hooked up to their cell phones as hotspots because we still don't have rural broadband. Thanks a lot, Tony Evers. That's sarcasm. But sorry, nobody can see me rolling my eyes on the radio. But, you know, this is something that I'm very passionate about because he did it to me and my girls. He did it to my kids. And had I not been there, you know, listening from the doorways of each of these children, you know, how would I know some of the garbage that was coming through the computer screen? What about the moms who don't have the the time to, to sit there and, and listen? Or, you know, what about the moms who don't know how to help with homework? This is what our children were faced with. And now we have two years of learning loss and a governor in Tony Evers who conceals the 
failures of the last couple of years by rigging the state's grade cards. Jeff, 8% of black kids across Wisconsin test at grade level for math. That is a failure. He should be hanging his head in shame. And yet, he turns around and asks all of us for a contract extension. Well, this mom says, heck no, no way. And not only that, but we need to make sure we're doing universal school choice. So parents are put back in charge and your education dollars are actually going to follow a child's education and not flow as they do now to buildings and bureaucrats and, you know, electricity bills. We've got to get parents back in charge so we can prioritize kids again in this state. We've got to raise standards. Tony Evers vetoed a literacy intervention bill. The former state superintendent of public schools, he vetoed a bill that would help start a school in the Northwoods to help children with disabilities. This is the guy who calls himself the education governor. And now on top of all of this, we have an epidemic of anxiety and depression among our children. In 20 years, we're going to look back on this moment and we're going to say, what the heck did we do to our children? And on top of that, trying to force children to get the COVID-19 vaccine and the masking of kids, uh, the forced masking, the contact quarantines that were absolutely endless. There are some school districts that wouldn't let their kids participate in interscholastic sports. This is all on Tony Evers. And I'm just, you know, a mom like the rest of the moms across the state who are really angry about it. I just have the opportunity to join forces with those other moms and get stuff done right now. So in in retrospect, if you were the governor, would you have shut down the state because of COVID in the fashion that Evers did? No, I would not have shut down this state. And what we know today is that this is an endemic situation, something I warned of very, very early on. You know, in the first couple of weeks, I think people maybe didn't know, you know, and, and science was, was quite behind. And it seemed like a, a deadly, devastating, you know, black death sweeping across the country. But what we know in hindsight is that we not only overdid it, but we did serious and long-lasting damage to children because of what we did. Look at the stats right now. They're pretty much the same as what they were last summer. And yet, you know, nobody is going nuts today. People are going about their lives because they're treating it as the endemic situation that it is. Tony Evers turned the WEDC, the Wisconsin Economic Development Corporation, from an economic development agency and to a judgment agency that pointed at people and said, you're essential and you're non-essential in Wisconsin's economy. Then he just shut the world down. The legislature had to sue him to get the world opened back up. It was outrageous. That's why I'll ban mask mandates. I'll ban these COVID-19 vaccine mandates. I'm for medical freedom in Wisconsin. And I also think we can use that medical freedom status to turn Wisconsin into a workforce destination for people. People who want to come to work in a free state can come to work in Wisconsin. People who want to come and have government take less money out of their paycheck can come to a state like Wisconsin. Rebecca, in the minute or two that we have left, uh, the the primary election is two weeks from tomorrow. Early voting, I believe, opens this week, maybe as soon as tomorrow. Why should people be voting for you as opposed to the the other Republican challengers? I'm a proven, tested 
conservative reformer. Jeff, if this comes down to who do you trust, then I'm the one who actually has a record. I've made promises and I've kept them. If you look at what I have actually done, we've saved the taxpayers of Wisconsin $15 billion on Act 10 alone. We defunded Planned Parenthood of all state dollars, shut down five Planned Parenthood clinics. We passed concealed carry, castle doctrine, right to work, photo ID. We did prevailing wage reform. We expanded school choice across this state. All of these things are part of my record. If the best indication of what you will do in the future is what you've done in the past, then I ask you to check out my record. Look at what I have done in the past. Because when someone shows you who they are, believe them. Rebecca Clayfish, Republican candidate for governor. Thanks for spending me an hour with me this afternoon. I'm, I'm sure we'll have an opportunity to talk again sometime in the future. I have no doubt, Jeff. Thank you. I ask for your vote, all of you, and you, Jeff, August 9th. <laughs>